We have been reading through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. But now we're actually going to switch over to some news from other mountains to go back to some of his source material. We're going to hear from Deuteronomy today. As the first five books of the Bible, often called Law or Torah, are winding down. Having communicated what God wants for the people of Israel, from the mountaintop, you get the theme, God kind of asks for everyone to sign on the line which is dotted, so to speak. Biblical scholars will tell you that Deuteronomy actually mirrors the form of ancient treaty documents between nations in that time. But here the treaty is between Israel and God. So the treaty must be executed. There is a choice to be made. There is a choice, right? Listen for holy words this holy day. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways, and observing his commandments, decrees, and ordinances. Then you shall live and become numerous, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not hear but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses, Choose life so that you and your descendants may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days, so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Okay, I'm going back for a deep cut. Way back in 2001, Bob Newhart, remember Bob Newhart, was a guest star on Mad TV. You probably don't remember that. Remember there was, there was a competitor to Saturday Night Live for a little while? I don't remember anything about this show, really. I didn't watch it. I've just seen this one sketch. In it, Newhart is a psychologist meeting a new patient played by the actress Mo Collins. They say hi. It's their first time meeting. She was referred by a friend. They sit down across the desk from each other for a brief get-to-know-you. Newhart explains his billing. $5 for the first five minutes. Nothing after that. At this point, she and we are pretty amazed and intrigued. So she smiles and said, let's get to it. She's no shrinking violet. She goes ahead and just immediately launches in. She confesses that she is haunted by this fear and anxiety. She has nightmares of being buried alive. And it's disrupting her life. She's anxious all the time. Newhart asks a few questions. So you say you think about this all the time. Yes, it's terrible. 
Do you think you're claustrophobic? Yeah, maybe. All right, he says. Well, I'm going to say two words to you right now. I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them with you out of the office and incorporate them into your life. She's a dutiful patient. She whips out a pen and a paper. She gets ready. And he leans gently over the desk. And he says, stop it. (laughs) Things go downhill from there. I won't spoil the rest of the sketch. There's something here for us, right? When we are advice givers, we are always so certain that others can just rearrange their lives just like flipping a switch, right? When the roles are reversed, we are always so certain there's something wrong with us, that we can't simply choose to change our deepest ingrained patterns and behaviors. We think it should be simple. I think there's something poking fun at all of us in this, and maybe a little wish fulfillment for people in helping professions. I see you counselors. I also see you friends who dutifully, or siblings, or cousins, or any of those things who dutifully hold back that stop it. Choose life, says God. What do you think we have been trying to do, say the people of Israel, and maybe us too? Many folks would not choose death on purpose, I will wager. And yet in all of the grand choosing of the world, we all too often end up there, either alone or in groups. And maybe situations like this one, God saying, choose life or death. The psychologists who might just tell you to stop it and walk away are part of how we end up there because I think too often... Our choices come from, from well, not, not choosing. Actually, I can recommend a little not choosing. We call that Sabbath sometimes. Sometimes you need a rest to withdraw, to simply be. I can recommend that. But taken too, too far, too often if we avoid making conscious choices about our individual or common lives, what we're really doing, we kind of freeze and fold in on ourselves and we end up by default choosing comfort, choosing ease, choosing the default setting of the world, whatever that might be, the status quo. One of the problems for us as modern-day hearers of this text is that we experience choices that our ancestors could only have dreamed about on a daily basis. What to eat, what to wear, but even what to learn, what to study, what our career or our hobbies should be. If there is a life or death decision in all of these, it's just too much. A recent Cornell study that someone pointed me to this week found that in the course of a day, a modern American will manage about 35,000 choices. If you feel tired, you're not imagining it. By the way, you did choose to get up and come be a part of this worshiping community today. Thank you. And 34,999 to go. 
So you hear a lot about the people who try to narrow that down to the essential things, try to get that number down so that they can focus on the important stuff, right? You hear these stories. Presidents or leaders who, like, pick a work uniform so that every day when they wake up, they don't have to think about what they're going to wear, at least. That's one decision that they don't have to think about. People who always eat the same thing. There was a weird Silicon Valley trend of everybody just kind of eating protein shakes for a while because why think about what you're going to eat? It seems a little extreme, but I get it. And, you know, hey, I never have to pick what I'm going to wear on a Sunday, so I like it. <laughs> I think the other thing that causes us to freeze and go with the default setting is the way in which we raise the stakes of all of those thousands of choices until each of them feels like it is literally life or death. I notice more and more that we privilege the experience of never being wrong over the experience of learning, of getting it wrong, of taking in new information and growing together towards greater understanding, experience, and connection. In the last few years, as I hear people always wrestling with, particularly, how could I be involved in a movement towards greater racial justice in this country? How could I be involved in addressing climate change? I hear people's anxiety raise up and up and up around what is the first thing that they should do. And that anxiety ramps up until the answer is, well, I'm just not going to choose to do anything. To go to today's text, we treat what is meant to be a statement of relationship and covenant with God in this text as a final ultimatum. But even God acknowledges today that God has put paths before the people. It's not a fork in the road where one fork is the cliff, right? They are paths. I will give you spoilers for the rest of the Bible. The people of Israel, after this reading, don't immediately choose life with God forever and ever and live happily ever after. They don't even do that most of the time. They muck up about... Well, about as much as Jesus' disciples do after he calls them onto the way of following him. If you read through the Gospels, it's mostly disciples getting things wrong. Turns out, a lot of the time, the path of walking with God is more kind of a general bearing than a minute-by-minute -minute route that you could track on your GPS. There's the thing where you know, you know which you know, trail marker is and you're following it exactly. And then there's like, the sun is over there, so I'm going to go that way. God loved the sweet people I talk to as they are considering marriage or walking the path of friendship. And they come to me in tears after a first or you know, maybe many you know, terrible fights or failings. Sure that this means the end, a complete break of relationship and connection. You can feel the fear and the heartbreak in it. I'm thankful that I get to tell a resurrection story all the time. In our family, there is wise words that says, nothing ever really ends. If two friends or spouses or a whole community choose not to let that relationship break, it doesn't have to. And there's probably a lot of learning and strengthening that happened in between. That is covenantal living. 
heading off in roughly the same direction, getting off track, course correcting, continuing on. People who have experience with community or friendships or marriage or, God help us, parenting, we know what this is. It is always shocking to me that the mainstream culture has created a Jesus who has come to us filled with the grace and love of God to tell us who isn't going to make the cut. How do we rather show folks Jesus who has come to live and walk the paths of life, ever coaxing us back towards not just what will give us life, because here's my obligatory reminder, absolutely none of the Bible is written just to you. All of it is written to a people. So to choose life means to choose what will lead us towards life abundant for all. Covenantal relationship and choosing is all about what brings not just life to me, but to the other, the friend, the neighbor, the stranger, one step at a time. So to those who are always wondering, how do I start? The answer is, you start. And what do I do if I fail? You fail. Lent is coming. I am thankful that the old let's give up chocolate is kind of out of fashion these days, partly because chocolate is good and God loves us. But also, I hear more and more these days of folks taking on spiritual practices as part of Lent. I want to pray every day. I want to read the Bible through. God help you, you're going to hit Leviticus, but okay. I want to sit in silence every day. I want, I want to take more, whatever it is. And then, inevitably, like religious New Year's resolutions, I get the, well, I had to quit that. I missed praying on Tuesday. Friends, I took vows to persist in prayer, and I can tell you I have made a profession out of missing praying on Tuesday. I don't know what it is about Tuesday. What makes it a practice is that you come back. You keep heading in this general direction. You keep choosing. It's never just the choice. It's always choosing. We are in a time now as a community. What will we choose to do in our common life? Where can we choose to show up? for one another, for our neighbors and our friends. What we might be called to do as a community in this time is to support folks in understanding the choices before them and helping them to understand the grace of God well enough that they can live lives of joy, of play even, as they move towards those choices of life, of community, of deeper connection to God's heart. What if we could show people that God's grace empowers them to start rather than to live in paralysis of setting one foot off the wrong path? For you this day, how can you choose life? 
Life abundant for you, life abundant for those around you. You may get it wrong. Choose again. I pray for us to be a community that chooses that life over and over again, choosing lightly, trusting that all of us will wander off the path sometimes and will need help getting back on track. May that grace, that lightness, empower us, encourage us, make us brave to choose life with God. Amen.